of a sermon series that we, we call Doing It Right. And so if you've missed the last three weeks or you haven't been here and maybe you want to play catch up, we spent the first three weeks dealing with, with single people, with people that are dating, with people that are looking to get married. The next three weeks, we're going to spend really focused on, on married people. We've been following this story in the book of Song of Solomon. It's an Old Testament book. And we're going we're gonna to next week deal with uh, what God has to say about intimacy and, and healthy sexuality. And then the following week, we're going to take a look at how to have a good fight in a marriage. If you've been married for any extent of time, you know that fighting is part of it, right? If, if you're not fighting, it's a good, good chance you're not talking to each other or you haven't seen each other for a couple weeks. And so fighting is part of marriage and it, it actually can be healthy in, in your marriage. So we're going to kind of take a look at how to, how to move through fighting. Uh, today, the title of my message is pretty simple. It's, it's the little things. It's, it's the, the little things. If you're married in this room, uh, and you're having some marriage problems, this message is going to be for you. If you're, if you're not having marriage problems, uh, maybe you're not in that season right now. Either A, you haven't been married very long, you've been married like a week or two, or, or B, uh, you've been in a season and now you've come out of that season. Like you, you've, if you've been, I've been married for 15 years this October. We have had some seasons where we were just not seeing eye to eye. There were seasons where, where our marriage was, was on the rocks. There were seasons where it would have been easier to give up. When we started this church in 2005, that, that, there was times in our, in, our, in our marriage that literally we were on the brink of, of I wouldn't say divorce, but we were, we, we were trying, I was praying, and I think she was praying for the rapture to come, if you know what I mean. Like, we were asking God to end, end it. Like, we didn't really know what else to do. So, Whatever season you're in, I want to I make sure that I encourage, this is going to be applicable. If you're not married yet, you need to write these things down because one day you're probably going to get married or remarried if you're, if you're maybe divorced and you're, and you're kind of moving through that. And these are things today that oftentimes drive couples apart without them e- e- even knowing. And I want to encourage you, if you're on the brink of, of giving up, like you, you, you came here, you've been waiting for me to talk about this, you, you tried to get your husband to come here today or your wife because you've been hearing we're going to talk about what's calling, causing marriage problems and you are fully convinced that it's them, right? That they are the source of your problem and you just want them to kind of sit here. I, I want to encourage you today. The, the main thing that I would say to you is, is simply just keep going. Let me give you an example. I love coffee. Anybody else love coffee in this place? Can I get an amen if you need coffee? Like, I feel like I need another, another coffee today, right? Like, I didn't get enough this morning. And so, I, I, I love coffee. And Tuesday, my, my week is very similar. And so, every Tuesday, I do my sermon. I know some of you are going to be shocked. You think we work one day a week and the rest of the time we golf. But, but our weeks at this church... Uh, are, are very structured. We, we, Monday, we get right back in. We have staff meetings. We go over things that broke. We, go, we fix things. We have f- phone conversations. We follow up with people. We're on four campuses. We're looking for a fifth and a sixth. And so we're going out. Like, there's things that happen on Monday. And, and so we kind of wrap up the previous Sunday. And then Tuesday, we start working on the next Sunday. And for me, that means I go somewhere and I, and I do, do my sermon. And so pretty much Every Tuesday looks the same. I wake up early uh, and I start pleading with God. God, make me look smarter than I am next week. God, give me something to talk about. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. Like, God, I can't do it again, right? And so I, I plead with God. I get up early. I try to do something active in the morning and then I get my coffee. And that's when God really starts to speak to me. And so <laughs> this Sunday I got, or this Tuesday I went, I made my coffee 
and, and I brought it into, into my room. We're still at home, and, and I sit down on the same chair, and I get my Bible out because I'm a pastor. You're supposed to read the Bible, and so I'm reading the Bible, and I'm writing stuff down. And before I can even get situated, I put my coffee down, full cup of hot coffee, and I'm getting ready to sit down. And somehow, about 6.30 in the morning in my house, I knock over this, this full cup of coffee all over this nice, this nice rug that I have in our living room and all over this nice chair. Have you ever been in a state of shock? You're like, I don't even know what to do right now. I want to yell. I'm mad. I don't want my wife to come down the steps and, and see this. Like, I don't know what to do. So I spilled. First time it's happened to me in years. Like the things that I scream at my kids for, I did, right? And so I'm in, a, I'm in a situation. And so my coffee spilled all over the place. And here's the bad news. We were out of Keurig cups. And so I had no more coffee. So my morning was awful. So I went to Wawa. And I pulled into Wawa, I got a 20, the biggest coffee, the 24 ounce, you know, dark roast coffee, and I brought it into work, and I went into my little, my little room over here, and I set my computer up, and I put it down, and I put my coffee down, and I'm not lying to you, this is about 30 minutes later, 45 minutes later, I pull open my screen of my laptop to set it up, and somehow I hit the coffee over, and it spills all over the place. <laughs> Two times in one morning. I was angry, Right? And, and let, me tell you, let me tell you what happened. I didn't give up on coffee. <laughs> you would think if at first you don't succeed, and the second time, you should quit. You know what I did? I walked into my office. I turned on our Keurig, our new Keurig, because our old Keurig had mold in it. I put the biggest cup I could find, and I made another coffee. I didn't let the two spilled coffees deter me. The same thing should be true of your marriage. Maybe it's, it's, it's spilling over. Maybe... Maybe it's, it's, it's been difficult. Maybe you're going through heartache. Maybe you're sitting beside the person that you wish would change. The same attitude that I have with coffee, I wish you would have with your spouse. In fact, what I would tell you as we get going into today's message is the number one thing you need to stop doing is stop saying you might get divorced. Stop, stop saying you might get, of all the things that we have ever been in, all the situations, all the scenarios in my life, I might have prayed for the rapture, but the, 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 the phrase to my wife, we should get divorced, has never, I've thought it a couple times, but I have never vocally said that. We should get divorced. And here's why. If it's an option, you're always going to take it, Right? It's like saying, I'm going to eat healthy, but I'm going to keep this bag of Oreos in my car somewhere just in case. What's going to happen? You're going to eat the Oreos, right? If they're there, you're always going to eat them. And so the very first thing, if you're on the brink, if your marriage feels like it's falling apart, if you can't stand the person, the very first thing I would say to you is stop even making it an option, and then start going, how do we even get here? Because you didn't start off there. You remember when they would call you and you, or text now, right? I don't know. You, you remember when you would see them? Oh, look at them, right? You, you remember when, 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 they, when they took you out on dates and you would hold hands? You remember what it felt like, what they smelled like? Remember how you stood there in front of your family and friends or before the justice of the peace or wherever you got married, right? And you got married to them. And you remember all those feelings that you had. And then if I tell you right now, well, how do you feel right now? So you're going, I have no idea how we even got here. And so, so I want to show you. First, 
Stop saying you're going to get divorced. And second, step back and go, man, how did we even get here? Because here's the truth about marriage. You're either growing closer together or you're growing farther apart. There is no in-between. You don't get married, stay comfortable. You don't get married, walk down the aisle, it's like, bam, that's perfect. You're going to be perfect forever. Look at our pictures. They look perfect. Like everything is perfect. You are either consistently growing closer together or you are consistently growing farther apart. There is no other option. So if I ask you, are you growing closer or, or, or are you fading away, what would your answer be today? And I'm going to show you through scripture how that happens, how you grow apart. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse number 14. And Solomon shares some wisdom right here that, that I think we should, we, should, we, should, we should stop on and talk about. You remember, they, they've met, they've dated, they've developed godly character, they, they've went through the season of preparation, like all these things happen, and they're about to get married. Next week, we're going to walk with them through their marriage and their wedding night. Uh, but, but in this scripture, he says something that is so important. He says, in verse number 14, he says, My dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places of the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face... Is lovely. And then he says in verse 15, he says, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, are vineyards that are in bloom. Now, if you're not a, a person that's been in a vineyard much, you're like, what does that mean? I don't know much about any of this stuff, and so I, 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 I studied it a little bit. And what he was saying is, and you remember, she worked in a vineyard against her wishes, right? And so her skin was messed up. And so she would have understood what Solomon was saying, because what would happen in vineyards is they would begin to bloom, and these little sneaky red devils would come into the, to the vineyard, and they would begin to eat away at the fruit that you had labored over to grow. Not only would they eat away at the fruit, but they would gnaw away at, at the roots until they would clear, uh, uh, kill the entire plant. And so what he was saying is they seem insignificant. They, they seem small. They, they, they don't seem, it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. But if you don't catch those things, eventually they're going to ruin our marriage. They're going to ruin this relationship. You see, oftentimes when we look at marriage, we go, it's, it's the big things. But just like scripture reiterates to us over and over and over again, it's not often the big things that, that kill marriages. It's not often the big things that kill relationships with God. It's not often the big things that kill future purpose. It's often the little things. In fact, if you go in scripture, you'll notice over and over and over again, Jesus in scripture talks about the little things. Like he's talking to the, to the people and he says, be careful of the religious people. Be careful of the way that, that they teach and think. And then he references bread and yeast. He says it just takes a little bit of yeast to ruin the entire batch. Like basically what he's saying is if you have a church and you're focused on the gospel and the grace of God, it just takes a couple of religious church people to ruin it. It doesn't take much. It just takes a couple, a little bit of, of yeast. And then in another scripture it says a little bit of sin in your life grows and brings death. It's not, not the big sin. It, it's a little sin. Or, or I like this one. I like this one. The tongue has the power of life and death in it. And so in James, it says, be careful with, with the tongue. The, the tongue is like, is like a little spark in a forest that, that sets the whole thing ablaze. It's just a, a, a little bit. It's just a, a tiny bit. Uh, one time I heard of a, of, of, of a mom. She was trying to teach her son this lesson. Her son was going, you know, mom, I'm going to this movie, and there's just a little bit of nudity in it. There's, there's just a little bit of cursing in it. And she said, well, I don't want you to see. It. It's no big deal. It's just, a, it's just a little bit. And so the mom said, well, I want to teach you a lesson. Can I make you some brownies? He said, I love, 
I love brownies, and so I'm going to make you your favorite dessert, son. And so she got the eggs and the, and, and, and the batter and, and the flour and, and the sugar, whatever else you put in brownies. I don't know what you put in brownies, all this stuff. And then she went out to, to the yard and got a little bit of Poochie's poo. She put a little bit in. She cooked these, mixed it up, gave the brownies to the, to the young man. He ate a little bit of the brownie, and she said, he said, these brownies are good. She said, I know. I made some special brownies. He said, why do they taste so good? She said, well, I put the eggs, and I put the flour, and, and, and I put the batter, and I put the chocolate chips and the whatever else, and I went out and got a little bit of Poochie's poo. And he spit it out, and he said, why would you put a little bit of poo in it? And she said, I thought a little bit doesn't ruin it. I thought a little bit is okay. Well, no, 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 not when it comes to to poo, like that's, that's a lot. That's, there's no such thing as a little bit. The same thing is true for sin. The same thing is true for gossip. The same thing is true for, for religious people. And the same thing is true in marriage. Our marriages get in trouble, and what do we do? We try to fix it with some big thing. Remember when Kobe Bryant, years back, had an affair. He got caught in Colorado, sitting with his wife. She's devastated and crying, and like two weeks later, they're like, Kobe Bryant makes it up to his wife by buying her a 16-carat ring. As if that was going to fix the other problem that you were having sex with somebody that wasn't your wife in a hotel in Colorado. It's, we, look, marriage is trouble. We're going to go on a vacation. Because that will fix us. If we go on a vacation, when we come back, we'll be completely different. This scripture says, no, 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 no. It's not the big things that ruin people's marriages. It's, it's the little things. But here's what's so cool about that. If it's the little things that are ruining your marriage, then it's, it's the little things that can bring you back together. Well, let me say, if it's the little things that are pulling you apart, then it's the little things that can push you back together. Again, so I want to give you, I said last week four, but I'm going to give you five. I figured out one more this week. I want to give you five of what I would say the little things that maybe we don't even notice are, are pulling us apart. If you're newly married, Write these down. And here's what I want you to do. If you hear one of these thoughts, what I want your first thought to be is, I hope my husband's listening to this. I don't want that to be that. That's what we do in church often, don't we? That person up there, they don't look like they need to hear this. <laughs> Meanwhile, you go walking out and I'm going, did you listen? So listen, I don't want you to go, wish my husband was here, wish my wife was here, hope they're listening, hope they clean out their nasty earwax, right? Like, hope this happens. What I want you to do is I want you to listen to this because I bet there's some things that I'm going to say that maybe you have stopped doing that if you would just begin to do again, that it would put you either getting pulled together or, or, or you're going apart. There is no other option. So let me give you five of the little things. And here's what you need to understand. Consistency in these things will bring marriage momentum. Consistency in these five things that I'm going to talk about, if you begin to, to do them the right way, they will create marriage momentum. It will get you going. You're not going to fix your marriage today, but it's going to get you going in the right direction. So let me give you number one. Number one, if, uh, it's the little things. Number one is little thought. Little, little thought. Do you remember how much you used to think about your spouse before you got married? I mean, sometimes you were downright annoying, right? Your friends would, would take you out and you'd do something with them and the whole time you'd be looking at pictures or giggling or, 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 or daydreaming or whatever's going on and they're like, what's wrong with you? I can't stop thinking about them. How much thought that you would, you would put in 
to, to, to things you would do for them. Like, I remember, I've been married for 15 years. I remember what our, some of our first Valentine's Days looked like. I remember decorating her entire car with, with those cutout hearts. And, and then it was like a map. You walked around the car and she opened up the trunk and, and there was a big old monkey in there. It's like a stuffed monkey, not a real monkey, a stuffed monkey in there. And then there was all this stuff. And now it's like, here's a gift card, TJ Maxx. Get yourself something nice. You, you know what I'm saying? Like how much... When it was date, you would have stuff planned out. You knew where you were going. Now it's date night, and you're like, you want to stay in, put our sweatpants on, watch, watch Lost, right? <laughs> we want to go where? Like when you were dating, there was no, cost was no option. Like you get whatever you want. Now you're going to, you know, TGI Fridays or Chili's, and you're going, look, look, they got a two for 20 special. Well, I'm vegan. I don't care. You're going to eat this meat tonight, right? It's two, two for two. Like, you remember how different it was. For, for some reason, after you're married for a while, you begin to put little thought into your spouse. And here's what I know is true, and I've taught this before. What you treat as normal, you eventually take for granted. And what you take for granted, you will eventually lose. If you, if you treat your marriage as normal, you treat your spouse as normal, eventually, I promise you, you'll take them for granted. When you take them for granted, you're going to stop pursuing them, especially husbands and wives. Husbands are supposed to pursue their wives. I know you hunted them down, you clubbed them over the head, you drugged them to the altar, you married them, they're yours, right? Took them back to your cave. That's not how it's supposed to go in marriage. It's amazing how much we will pursue our wives and then we get married and we're like, done. Like the problem is for many of us, we get too comfortable. We just kind of begin to live life together. We stop living in awe. You go away from that feeling you had when you walked down the aisle with them. You, remember, you forget to remember all the things that you've been through, all the times that you've been through, all the commitments that you made to one another. You, you stop appreciating each other. You stop recognizing each other. You just kind of pass by what's up. You come home and one of you has cooked dinner. You sit down, you don't even think about what, what was just done for you, you just eat. Instead of going, you made this for us. Like you clean, you, you clean the house for, for, for me. I clean the house for you. You stop recognizing each other. You, 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 stop, you stop affirming one another. You stop even thinking about one another. So the question becomes, what should you do? And I love what it says in Revelation chapter 2, verse number 4. And this is encouragement to a church. But it's also, I think, advice in marriage. And this is what he says. The Apostle Paul he says, yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. You, 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 don't, you don't do the same things. You don't act the same way. He says, consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. That, that second part, that's from the church. But he says, he says, repent, admit that you're not doing what you're supposed to do, and go back and do it again. Act the same way. Put the same type of thought in. Give the same type of affirmations. Recognize the things that your spouse is doing for you. And so I've just got a couple. If you're a husband, I'm going to give you five that I can think of. And if you're a wife, I'm going to give you five as well. I call them the fantastic five for wives and husbands. If you're a husband, just write these down. Here's some things that you can do that will tell your wife that you're thinking about her. One is really basic. You can just hold her hand again. Not grab her somewhere. Not paddywhack her right? You know how, you know how God, I mean, that, that's our go-to move, right? What's up, girl? 
smells good. You look good. It's like you just reach over and you just gra- grab her hand. I'm not telling you there's never a time and a place for that. But you just hold her hand. You're, 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 you're walking through the mall. Some of you are going, the mall? You would have went to the mall before you got married. So you're walking through the mall looking at stuff. I and mean, you just reach over and you grab her hand. You're driving in the car, you re- especially if you have kids. Your kids need to see this. You reach over and you just hold her hand. You just, you just hold her hand. Here's another one. You leave her a message during the day on voicemail, on, on email, or by text. At some point in your business, because before you were thinking about her all day long, and I know you're busy, and I know you got life to live, but at some point during your day, just a quick text. Yo, girl, what's up? You're fine, right? Something like that, right? Tell her sincerely. Number three, you're beautiful. And not, not, not 20 minutes before, your, before bedtime, if you know what I mean. Like just, somebody, you know, you're laughing because you're like, I'm guilty. guilty. Just at some point, write this down, guys. I'm going to make sure that I tell my wife, and it cannot be at 13 minutes after this sermon because that's not going to be believable. <laughs> Set yourself a reminder on your phone. You're beautiful. Clean up after yourself and help do cleaning around the house. All the ladies, can I get an Amen. Come on, man, 409. Here's another one. When you have a really bad day at work or wherever you've been, pull yourself out of the funk before you get home and stop being grumpy or upset about something and don't withdraw and just be a grown man. Come on. Okay, the guy's like, what about us? Right? Let me give you five. Ready? One, notice his effort and sincerely thank him for it. All guys, listen, if he picks up after himself... Hey, good job. Thank you. Thank you for helping around the house. Thank you for working hard. You, you want to encourage a man into being a better man? Give him a little bit of affirmation. All of a sudden, his, his chest sticks out farther. He begins to do things with more tenacity. Here's another thing. Say in that, number two, you're going to know these are very simple because we are very simple people, ladies. Say, you did a great job at blank. Notice what we did. So you notice they're very similar. And the number of three, four, and five are just things that I think are, are, are just, just, I couldn't think of anything else. So I just put get naked, get naked, and get naked. Because who are we kidding? That's the only effort we desire, right? All, all the guys give me a, right? I don't want to go out to eat. I don't want a card from Hallmark. If it's my birthday, if it's Valentine's Day, if it's Christmas, if it's Hanukkah, if it's uh, Abraham Lincoln's birthday, Labor Day, Memorial Day, any day, I just want to get naked, right? And so anyway, I'm married. That's biblical. And all the kids, all the parents are like, shh, earmuffs, right? Here's what I don't understand, too. Why is it that if you were about to have an affair, all these things would just be normal anyways? Like, why, why is it? Why is it we put tons of thought into our, our affairs? I, I heard my uncle, my uncle, he's a pastor too. He used to tell John, which is my cousin, he's a worship pastor here. He used to tell him, if you're going to have an affair, just to have an affair with your spouse. Just put the thought you would into an affair into your relationship now. So it's the little thoughts that end up bringing us apart, but it's also the little thoughts that end up bringing us together. Let me give you, let me give you three more. Little excuses. Little excuses. We have some of the dumbest excuses when it comes to our spouse. I'm tired. 
uh, 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 I'm too tired to talk. I'm too tired to be intimate. I'm too busy to go on dates. We're too poor to spend time together. I'm too, I'm too busy. I'm too worn out. I'm too overwhelmed. Man, when you first got married, you never felt like that. I remember when I, first, when I was first dating my wife, I lived, I lived in Waxahachie, Texas. I worked as a valet parker in Dallas. And so it was about a 45-minute drive straight on I-35, I believe, or I-40. I don't remember what the road was. It's been 20 years. And so we used to drive there, and I used to park cars at, at clubs and at, and, and, and at nice restaurants and all these nice cars. And many times you wouldn't get done work until about 11.30 at night. And oftentimes on Friday nights, our curfew at our college was 1 o'clock. So if I got done at 11.30 on a Friday night or 11.45, that meant I had an hour and 15 minutes to get home and see my future wife for like 15 or 20 minutes. I had worked all day. Valley Parking is no joke. You run all over the place. You're all sweaty. You're all nasty. But I remember I would get out as fast as I could. I would get in my Volkswagen four-cylinder Jetta, and I would, and, 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 right, and I would fly home just so I could spend 15 minutes with my future beautiful wife. I remember one time I even lied. I said my grandma was dead because I didn't want to go into a shift there. That's a whole other sermon online. She's still living, by the way, right? I mean, I, I made up this elaborate, I'm going to spot school to be a, 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 a pastor. I'm an elaborate story about why I can't come in, all this stuff, because I just wanted to spend time with her. Now, it's like 8.30 at night, right? You want to talk? No, no. No, I don't. I want to watch this show that has nothing to do with anything in life and waste my brain away. This is your, your, your brain on drugs right here. Like this, this is what I want to do. And then we have all sorts of, of excuses about why we can't do things together and why we're too tired and why we're too busy. Yet when we first got married or we first got together, there was no such thing as excuses. So here's what you can know. You can either make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't make both in your marriage. You can either find, find excuses why you can't spend quality time together or even quantity where you spend lots of time. You can make excuses of why you can't be physical in your intimacy or for, maybe for guys why you can't be emo. I don't, I don't like to talk. You can do all those things or you can stop making excuses and you can say, man, this stuff is pulling us apart. Let me give you two scripture verses. In 1 Peter 3, it says this, husbands in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives. In other words, Peter is saying, good luck, bro. Be considerate. Like, like, be aware as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. In other words, what he's saying is invest a ton of time into your wife, guys. No excuses. I don't care if the Eagles are starting. I don't care what's on TV. I don't care if you've had a long day. And I need to preach to myself. If your wife is going through a spout of anxiety or she thinks she's got something wrong with her or she needs to talk about something or she just simply needs to unwind, think about what you would have done before you got married and do those things with her. Here's another thing. I love this Bible verse in 1 Corinthians 7. I love this advice. It says, since there's so much sexual immorality that is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. Amen. And likewise, the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Why is it that so many guys are like, uh-huh? 
you, you can have this, right? Like what he's saying is, you're not your own. You're, when you get married, you belong to the other, other person. And then he keeps going. He says this, uh, do not deprive each other. He's talking about intimacy, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that they may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not a com- as a command. He's saying, I'm just giving you some good advice. If you ain't praying, you should be laying, right? That's what he said. Husbands are writing that down. You don't look like you're praying right now. I'm about to lay hands on you, right? Too many excuses. Let me give you three more real fast. Little language. L- little language. For some reason, we begin to talk so negatively to one another after we get married. You're a mistake. You act like your mom. You act like your dad. You're no good. You're lazy, you're fat, you're ugly. Like you laugh, but I, be- I believe many of us have said this to each other. I should have never married you. My mom was right. Like all these things that we begin to say to each other that we would never say. And the truth is, what is spoken in a moment of anger oftentimes causes a lifetime of marriage pain. In fact, that's what it says in Proverbs 18. The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has, if your marriage is, is, feels like it's dying, I would check how you're talking to each other. I, I would see what you're saying to each other. I would see how you're talking about each other. I'm, I'm talking to my, my mom about my husband or my wife, talking to my friends about my husband or my wife. I'm complaining about them. I'm doing the three, C, or the three forbidden C's. I'm criticizing. How can we do that so much? I'm complaining to each other and I'm condemning. And then we think they're going to change, by the way. Here's my question. Does God do that with you? You know if he did that with you, it would only change you for the moment that you were in his presence. As soon as you walked out of his presence, you would be full of resentment and anger. And so if God does not act that way towards you, and here's a newsflash, he should because you're jacked up. You're annoying. You do the same things over and over again. You worry about the same things. You pray and ask him about the same things over and over and over again. And he's saying, okay, I've already answered this prayer. Let's move on to something else. If God does not respond to you like that, then maybe you should stop trying to change your spouse with your words. We use our words to try to get our way or our point across, and instead, our words bring chaos and anger to the situation. You begin to speak with with little words. I love what James 1 says. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be, watch this, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If you're a husband or a wife, you should be, be quick to listen, and really slow to speak. And so little language, let me give you two more uh, quickly. And Laura, you can come up and, and play so that I know I have to be done in a second. But these two are, are added ones, and these are really practical ones. I'm going to give these to you. Maybe you don't understand, understand them right away. But, but number four, I think one thing that drives people apart without them even knowing is what I'll say, little kids. L- little kids. The Bible says kids are a blessing from God. Do you know that? They're a great blessing. They're horrible bosses. Do you know, I read it this weekend, it was, it, was, it, was, it was dawning to me. More people than ever in America in their 50s get divorced. Like people, people at, a, 
at an almost an epidemic rate when they turn 50 are now getting divorced. Why? Kids. What happens is we have kids and then we forget we're supposed to be married. We become roommates and literally all of our effort gets, in, gets put into raising kids. And then what happens is little Johnny or little Susie, they, they end up getting older and they leave the house and you're like, who are you? I don't like you anymore. What do we have to talk about? They're not here anymore. Those trophies, they mean nothing now. Like our memories, we're not even, even happy. And what ends up happening is because we don't pay attention to it, the way that we parent is literally destroying marriages. It is. Here's how you know that you have a kid-centered marriage. And here's what you need to understand about having a kid-centered marriage. It will destroy and ruin your marriage. The sad irony is that in trying to create this perfect little picket life fence for your children, you fail to provide what kids need most, which is a happy marriage. And giving them education and vacations and picture-perfect lives and braces and haircuts and designer clothes and nice cars and nice everything else and the newest phone and making sure every itch is scratched in their life. You carry around the weight of that burden and meanwhile your spouse and you are kind of just drifting apart. Here's how you know you have a kid-centered marriage. You often feel too busy, overcommitted, and worn out because of your children's activities. You ever ever been there? You're running back and forth, dropping them off, doing all this stuff, taking them to projects, taking them to school, taking them to plays, taking them to sports, taking them everywhere they can possibly go. In the meantime, you're picking up McDonald's, Chick-fil-A if it's not Sunday. You're crossing paths, texting each other, how you doing? That's how you know you have a kid-centered marriage. Do you feel like your children have too too few responsibilities because you and your spouse, you love to do it all for them? Do you and your spouse ever struggle to find time for date nights simply because of your kid's schedule? Has, has your physical intimacy lost some of its passion and romance because you have kids with you? I see this all the time. All of a sudden, people have kids. They're all, they're all connected in bed, and they have a kid. And what happens? Where, where's, where's the kid go? In the bed with them? You're like, what? How do you do what you're supposed to do with the three-year-old sleeping beside you? That's awkward, right? But he won't sleep if I don't put him in bed with us. You're right. Because he knows he got you wrapped around his finger. Just got to move him to his bed. He's going to cry. That's part of life, baby. That's part. What? That's mean. No, it's not. It's real. He's not going to win a trophy every time. He's not going to be a doctor just because he wants to be a doctor. He's not going to get money just because he wants money. He's not going to be married just because he gets, wants to be married. He's not going to have any of so He's going to have to work and learn how to go through hard times. And so you're just preparing him anyways. Have you ever felt too tired? Do you, do you feel your needs and desires are neglected because of the attention that your, your spouse pays to your kids? And do you ever feel like your communication with your spouse is just about your kids? Like, here's the thing about it. If you have a kid-centered marriage, you're the only one that could change it because your kids are not going to come to you and say, Mommy, Daddy, I think this is going to turn out bad. <laughs> They're going to lop that up. You ever notice that about kids? You could take them to the fair, and they just don't care, right? The next day, look, what are we doing tonight? That fair cost me $500 last night. We're not doing nothing, right? What are we doing tonight? Where are we going tonight? Your kids are not good at being self-sacrificing and not making the world center around them. So at some point, you have to go, hey, kids, we got to sit you down. 
We have done a bad job. You are great blessings. You are horrible CEOs of this family. And if we continue to go in this direction, me and your mom are going to get divorced. And that's going to be awful for you and your kids. And so instead, we're going to start telling you no. It's going to start. We're going to start limiting our time with you. We're not going to always watch G-rated movies in this house. Sometimes we're going to send you upstairs and we're going to watch a Hallmark movie because your mom likes to watch them. Every once in a while, kids, if it's okay with you, we're going to have an adult conversation. And on top of that, once a month, we're going to get you a babysitter and we're going to go on a date. And then sometimes you're going to try to come barreling into our room and the door is going to be locked. Every once in a while, we're going to be driving in the car and we're going to turn the music up to music we like. And I'm going to ask you to be quiet in the back and I'm going to hold your mom's hand and we're going to think about the love that we are going to continue to have when you are out of this house. See, little kids can either bring you together they can pull you apart. There's nothing better than when you turn 50. You love your spouse. Me and my wife talk about it all the time. Saturday is going to be French toast day down at my house. They're going to drop, come over, we're going to eat French toast. They're going to live in Pennsylvania. They're going to marry one of your daughters. They're going to live in my house on Saturday. You can come if you want. And then... We're going to let them go. We're going to keep the grandkids all day long. We'll get a pool eventually at my house. We're going to let the kids swim in the, in the pool. We're going to have a good time. But, but because it's going to be because I still love and, and honor and pursue my wife. Don't let your kids destroy. Don't, don't try to give them a perfect life. Give them a happy marriage. And then lastly, and this one's, this one's pretty, 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 pretty obvious, but I think some of your marriages are falling apart because of the little screens in your pocket. Tell me this is you and your, and your husband. You lay in bed. You ain't been intimate all week. But you're laying back. You got your chin all down in here. You got your comfy PJs on. You didn't brush your teeth. Like you put literally no effort and you get your phone out and it just sits there and you just... Your husband looks over. You look over. You already checked it 85 times that day because that's how many times the average American checks their phone. And you are fubbing your spouse. You know what fubbing is? It's phone snubbing. And I'm going to encourage you, stop fubbing your spouse and start rubbing your spouse. Put the phone. Some of you have touched your phone more today than you touched your wife or your husband in the last week. And you wonder why you have problems. You know more about your high school friend's cat that you graduated from in 1978 than you do know about your spouse's day yesterday. Put the phone down. It's not that important. Everybody who's on their phone all the time, the people that you see over and over and over again, just start saying, they're losers. Nobody spends that much time on their phone and has anything good going on in their life. Just just step back and realize that. Nobody. And no offense if you do, that's my business, that's what I do. No, no, no. You spend your entire life posting stuff, going back. Did I get likes? Did anybody comment? Did anybody listen? Did anybody, how many watches do I have? Let me post another one. Your entire life is focused on the phone. Put it down. I might have just offended you so much, but I think I might have saved your marriage. You wouldn't believe how many people are claiming that phones are, are causing divorce in America now. Here's the thing. It's the little things 
that tore you apart. It's the little things that will bring you back together. It's, the lit, it's not the big things. Don't plan a big new honey, second honeymoon. Try to renew your vows. Try to go on a weekend to remember all this other stuff. That stuff is fine. But it's the little things that have pulled you apart. I promise you. It's the little things. Reach over and grab your wife's hand. Send them a text this week. Spend some time thinking. The Bible says, as you think, so you become. You want to become a better spouse? Think about it. As you think, so you become. I, I, all the excuses that you're making right now, stop it. They're dumb. Just say it. They're dumb. These are dumb excuses. The kids that you have, you don't understand. We got 16 kids. You need a show, right? I got little kids, and they're, they're, they, they need me, and they need this. No, 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 no. I get it. I got little kids too, and they do need you, but they need you to love your wife and your husband more than you love them. They need that. They need to know that under God, that you and your spouse, that that is the most important relationship that you have. Because if that's not right, you can't possibly raise them right. No excuses. Get rid of the words. Some of you need to go to your wife and just say, I'm so sorry that I said this to you. I'm so sorry that I've called you those names. I'm so sorry that I cursed at you. I'm so sorry that I've given you this. Some, some, some men, you just withdraw and you give your wife the silent treatment. There is nothing more sissy in the world than that. You are in control of yourself. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives you patience. You can deal with anything in your life. And so instead of withdrawing and saying, I'm just not going to talk about it. Man, I am sorry for cutting you out. I am sorry for not communicating with you. No excuses. It's the little things that will bring you back together. Maybe you're really close right now. I promise you at some point, you're going to have a tendency to just, and these things are going to come back and you're going to go, oh, no, 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 I remember that day. These are the things that we're doing. It's the little things that keep us close. Would you stand with me? All